Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Bitstamp. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there. Welcome to The Hash. You're watching Coindesk TV. I'm Zach Seward. I'm joined by Will Foxley and Adam Levine. Happy Friday. We hope you're doing well. A lot going on in the world of crypto news as always, and we are going to help you get through it. But first, we have an interview. We have a special guest stemming from a conversation that we had yesterday, and I'm going to introduce our guest and let's do this thing. All right. So we were talking about the Starbucks rewards program, making the transition over to Web3 based on Polygon new way to incentivize user loyalty and engagement. Joining us today to talk about that and his new venture is Adam Brotman. He was formerly the head of digital, actually check that, the chief digital officer at, at Starbucks, and is now a co-CEO and founder of Forum3, which is in the news today with a fresh raise. Adam, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, how are you yeah. guys? We're doing well. We're doing well. You're you're all over the place on CoinDesk recently. You were featured in our most influential package. We were talking about the rollout of the Starbucks program yesterday. And now you're here, fresh on the heels of a 10 million round led by Decasonic and including participation from Polygon Ventures and others. So congrats on that. I wanted to start on the Starbucks thing. It was real talker for us yesterday. And I wanted to pose the question to you. Why does this need to be on the blockchain? What are the advantages of making this more Web3 friendly? Uh, it's a great question. And it's exciting to be with you guys and talk about it. So to, the answer of like why blockchain uh, stems from the idea that these are digital collectibles, these stamps that you're going to be able to earn and at times buy and, and sell uh, as part of the Odyssey program. They're digital collectibles and you are going to own them. And you know, if you think about loyalty programs today, you earn points. Uh, maybe even there's certain games like Starbucks for Life or McDonald's Monopoly and other things that you've all played that you can earn badges or stickers, but you don't really own your points and you don't really think about why would you want to own your points. But with blockchain and digital collectibles, there's this opportunity to not only be rewarded for engaging with the brand in a form of loyalty, 
But instead of just getting points, you can earn points and these digital collectibles. And the digital collectibles can be redeemed for uh, rewards. They can be collected because they can have their own sort of fun, intrinsic value or rarity. And they can also be programmed to, and you can form community around them. And it all stems from this idea of turning a, a simple point in a loyalty program into an asset, a digital collectible that can come to life in all these ways. And I don't know how you own a digital asset if you're not using a blockchain. So uh, blockchain is perfect for it. Polygon is a great example of how you can you know, create these digital collectibles and infuse them into a gamified, brand-engaging loyalty program. Adam, welcome again to the show and congrats on the raise. Going to keep you on the hot seat for a second because the point you brought up there made me think of the airline miles blockchain developer ideas that flowed around 2017, 2018. And this sort of never really came to fruition. Obviously, this is a little bit different. Like This is more about loyalty, brand engagement. The whole credit card system where you're like using a brand credit card is very well established. Uh, the airline miles idea just sort of fizzled because it never quite made sense in the first place. This seems to have like a little bit more depth to it. But I do want to put the question over to you. Is this just the next iteration of that? Or how is this going to separate itself from the predecessors that failed? I think it's much more than just next iteration of that. I mean, let me go back to what got me so excited about the space in the first place. The idea of a branded digital collectible. I collected physical things when I was a kid and my whole life, you know, baseball and basketball and football, trading cards and art. And my daughter collects, you know, these stuffy dolls and people collect sneakers. And you talk to anybody that collects anything, there's a, a sense of fun and discovery and storytelling that happens and you own it. And there's intrinsic value to you because you have a personal connection to the thing that you want to collect. If you can add to that the additional utility that can come from the fact that a collectible can be digital, it can be ownable, it can be branded, but it can double as an access pass. Because now if you hold this digital collectible, you can also potentially get access, token-gated access in this case, to rewards, experiences, community. You can be programmed to, you can receive airdrops. There's a built-in interoperability for collaborations. And all of those things I just mentioned are different than what happened in the past with blockchain and what happened in the past with airline points. And so to me, this is about storytelling and emotional engagement combined with utility. And that combination is new. And you throw that into a fun, gamified loyalty system. And you've got the makings of you know, an incredible layer that you can add on to a loyalty program that's not just buy things and get coupons. So I'll continue our kind of current train of questioning. So this is honestly a kind of exciting interview for me. Uh, back in 2014, I launched what I think is the first tokenized rewards program for my uh, podcast network, Let's Talk Bitcoin Network at the time. Uh, and we did things like token-gated access and were first implementations of that. That was 2014. This is 2022. It's only been eight years and already Starbucks is doing projects like this. And I suspect they won't be the last. So, I mean, my question here is NFTs are loved by a lot of crypto speculators, but they're more controversial once you get outside of the crypto kind of world. Uh, and they're even problematic in some areas like gaming, where they kind of are really muddying the water, I think. I think the metaphor of collectible stamps is an interesting one here, but I'd love to get your take on how the element of speculation fits in or maybe doesn't with programs like what you're doing over at Starbucks. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that the best way I would answer it is, if you're going to have a collectible that you feel like you own, you have to really own it. You have to have the ability to sell it and buy others from the secondary market. And so I think the ignoring the idea that this 
digital collectible may have value and may go up or down in value is disingenuous. However, I think it's secondary. I think the primary purpose is to collect, to have access to the benefits that come from it, from the fun of collecting. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I collected, like I said, baseball cards and, and stamps and coins and whatnot. And you know, if they went up in value, that was just sort of part of the fun, but that's not why I did it. At the same time, if I happened to open up a pack and got a, a rookie Ken Griffey Jr. card, I would get excited about the fact that, oh, that might be worth something. So I don't want to be disingenuous and act like the value of the asset doesn't matter. In fact, I think it's part of the network effects that makes this interesting. Because if you're a brand and you have all this intangible value around your brand that customers of the brand and brand fans love, this is another way to put that on rails and put that into an actual digital asset. And so the value matters, but it's not the primary thing. And I think it's dangerous to be talk in this world, in the loyalty world, I think there's going to be a lot of free digital collectibles that could be earned by customers or brands. There's going to be an element of um, speculation that might come up. But I personally don't want to talk about that or, or highlight that, not because I'm not trying, to, not trying to sweep it under the rug. I just feel like that's part of a broader, more interesting thing that happens with collectibles in general. And if you're collecting sneakers or anything else, like, you know, you're doing it for the love of it, you're doing it for the engagement, you're doing it for the community. Um, and in fact, you might even be doing it in this case for the utility that can come from rewards and access that you couldn't get without it. And then on top of it, the cherry on top might be that the thing could maintain its value or be worth something. And that's particularly a cherry on top if it was free to start with. Um, but in any event, that's, I feel like that's important to highlight. And, but you don't just ignore the fact that a rare one or an interesting one uh, could go up in value because that's part of the fun too. So I think that's what's such a cool thing about digital assets is you get to have the best of both worlds. And I do think that there's been, in my opinion, almost too much focus on speculation. And I, I think that can actually, at times in the NFT world, get people to sort of miss the fun of collecting and the fun and the community and some of the aspects that happens from digital collectibles. Adam, good answer. And good question by other Adam. Good to have you both here. I wanted to pose this to you. So we're going to look forward now. We talk about Starbucks. That's great. I want to talk about the new company, Form 3. Says you've done some work with Boston Globe on the website, but leak a little alpha. Give me, a, give me, give me a hint. There's no lawyers here. No lawyers are listening. Leak me a little alpha in terms of what projects you guys might be attached to next. <laughs> well, uh, I can't speak to the specifics of the brands that uh, we're talking to right now, but you can imagine that there are a lot of brands out there that uh, feel the same way we do. That loyalty programs and customer acquisition and driving frequency and a lot of the things that a lot of marketers and brand executives are responsible for. There's a lot of brands out there that feel that it's time to, to make loyalty at brands a little bit more experiential, a little less linear. And they're excited about seeing some of the things that Starbucks and even brands like Nike are, are doing in this space. And they're asking us at Forum 3, can you help us as well? And so we're excited that at Form 3 that we just raised this $10 million seed round and we're planning on building a platform and, and staffing up to be able to scale up our advisory services division. Can't get into the specifics, but uh, it crosses not just consumer brand, retail, but even there's organizations and communities at large that are looking for different and fun ways to engage with their fan base or their members. And they're seeing what some of these big brands are doing. And Forum 3 is uh, in a position to be able to both advise them, but also build a platform to help them. Okay, we got to ask about the bear market. It's December. It's cold outside. Token prices are down. 
and you guys are building, just launching or announcing this uh, funding round. Tell me about what the future holds for digital collectibles and specifically for Form 3. Well, you, you know, it's interesting. What got, like I said earlier, what got me excited about this entire, you know, crypto, Web3, blockchain, NFT space had nothing to do with the price of any token or the price uh, or volume of any particular sector. It was the possibilities that were opened up by a digital collectible that could be branded, that could do storytelling, and that could double as an access pass. And that's just a magical tool. And so our philosophy has been the same at Forum 3 when things were uh, booming and when things are busting, because they really have nothing to do with price. It's about the possibilities of how brands can use this new technology and this new this new tool set to better engage with their customers. And so what I would say in terms of the future is we believe that branded digital collectibles is going to become an incredibly fast-growing space. You're just seeing the tip of the iceberg now with some of the brands that have gotten into it. But I do think over the coming five years, and that sounds like a long time because it's not going to all happen in a year. I think that you're, this is going to be paving the way for what you're going to see pretty much every brand be able to take advantage of in their own unique way and in a way that's right for them and their brand and their community. And so it's a great time to be building in a bear, as they say. Okay, Adam. So we've got just enough time for a very quick answer here. Uh, so I've been tracking this technology, like I said, for a very long time. And what I've seen is it start from being really weird and something that people didn't know how to get their heads around or how it would work to something that's becoming increasingly sort of mundane and normal. I think this is another kind of important step along that path. I'm curious for what you think is kind of what, what's the end result of all of this? Is it a, just a pervasive system that, you know, every single company out there will be using these technologies in the background? Or, or how do you see this going? You bring up a good point. I want to mention that Starbucks and Forum 3, you know, we've been working together, but there's a, this has been a village. And you've got Nifty Gateway, uh, the Gemini uh, company. You've got uh, Polygon. And there's just been a number of different uh, partners in this process. And one of the reasons that Starbucks is working with Nifty Gateway is that Nifty Gateway pioneered this idea of the ability to buy a digital collectible, an NFT, using um, a hosted wallet solution, but also being able to do an external wallet connect for a self-custody or sovereign wallet uh, capability. Most consumers today, you know, anywhere, if you start to ask them, do they own an NFT? What do they know about NFTs? And, you, and they, most of them are going to say, no, they don't really understand them. They don't know how to buy them because the idea of using a crypto wallet is difficult for the average person. I mean, we all had to kind of get onboarded in, in our own way. And so what I, I'm excited about is the idea of this technology getting abstracted into the background so that everyday people can get into the space and figure out how to own a digital asset or a digital collectible without having to learn about crypto on day one. So they get the, the chance to get the feeling of owning a digital collectible, the fun of it. And then they can do an external wallet connect and move those assets around and sort of play with it in, the, in a self-custodied, self-sovereign way, which we know is sort of like the best, actually most fun way to do it. But it's actually complicated right now. So there's, an, there's this opportunity to bridge that for you know, everyday consumers, but don't don't you know, abstract the complication, but don't hide it entirely and let people sort of discover, like we all did, sort of the fun and beauty of self-custodying uh, your digital assets without having requiring that to get into the space. Very cool. Well, thanks, Adam, for joining us today. We really appreciate you sharing your insights on the new venture and your past work at Starbucks. Have a great day. You guys have a great day as well. Thanks for having me. 
All right. See ya. That was Adam Brotman, former chief digital officer of Starbucks, now the co-CEO of Web3 firm Forum3. Times are tough, particularly for crypto. But Bitstamp's different. Bitstamp is the longest running crypto exchange and among the most regulated in the world, which includes a bit license in New York and a payment institution license in Europe. And when it comes to your funds, with Bitstamp, your crypto belongs to you. All your fiat and crypto are kept 100% separated. It's why Crypto Compare ranked Bitstamp the number one crypto exchange, awarding them the highest possible AA rating. Learn more at bitstamp.net. Let's talk about Coinbase, which put out a little bit of a blog yesterday that was interesting, uh, a little fuddy maybe, but they cast doubts on rival stablecoin Tether. Coinbase, of course, is working with Circle to issue the USDC stablecoin. USDC stablecoin is the second largest stablecoin by market cap, linked only by Tether, which is slightly larger. Tether, of course, has been plagued for years by doubts about the backing of it and the reserves, the liquidity of the Tether stablecoin. And Coinbase kind of came out of nowhere yesterday with his blog post and a tweet saying that maybe you should not be using Tether and that they would give free redemptions to swap between USDC and Tether. Now, I have a few ideas why they would do this. First of all, USDC is a Coinbase-backed product. So of course, they want you to be using their product and not a rival product like Tether, which closely works with the exchange Bitfinex. But I think another part of this is interest rates are going up. And all these different stablecoins use interest rates or arbitraging between interest rates in order to accrue revenue. So that's my take on it. Zach, you might have some more thoughts on it. So we'll give it back to you. I mean, I don't think they were actually fudding Tether. Like if you read the post, there's like, it's like artful. It doesn't say anything. It just says, hey, just you can switch for free. Just do it. It's trusted. They don't say anything about Tether. They just say how great Circle's uh, USDC is. So I thought that was really funny uh, that the immediate subtext is evident to sort of crypto insiders such as us. Um, But you know, on its face, at least, there's no uh, there's there's no evidence that is offered in the blog post to suggest that Tether is not on sound footing. Only that USDC is better, and that you should definitely switch to the home team stablecoin over on Coinbase.com. So I don't know. I think it's funny, and it definitely comes a bit out of nowhere. I mean, I think there are certainly fears out here that if the contagion worsens, maybe some stablecoin issuers will be embroiled in some of the chaos that we've seen. Of late, so far, everything has been fine, should be stated. Tether seems to be doing great. Redemptions are processing pretty normally. Same can be said for Circle and USDC, which is governed by the Center Consortium, which is Circle and Coinbase. Those are the two members of the consortium that administers USDC. So things are holding up fine. This post is pretty funny. Obviously, the subtext is there, and people can read into it what they want. It's, it's a funny one. Anyway, I'll toss it to Adam. Adam appears to be muted. Adam, are you there? Sorry about that. I said it's customer acquisition, basically. When, you know, again, like when you're looking at these different competing products that are basically in the same vertical, what you're looking at here is a challenge of trying to, to effectively dethrone an incumbent that's been in place for longer than, you know, Circle has been around. Uh, not longer than Coinbase has been around, but longer than Circle's been around. And then the other thing about it is that if everything is okay, then it's actually not even uh, uh, like an acquisition cost, right? Because they're saying, we're going to swap you our dollar peg token for your dollar peg token over there. And then they're going to take all those dollar pegs tethers, take them back to tether and be like, hey, we're cashing these out, by the way. I think you really nailed it, Zach. Like, this is a very smart play for them to make right now. 
because there are concerns that are kind of swirling as they always do when we get into these these this part of the cycle, right? And so if people are already concerned and it's something that doesn't even cost you money to do because you made a free blog post and then you're going to be swapping $1 for another dollar and then redeeming it with your competitor, I think it's actually a pretty brilliant move and they've executed it well. Back to you, Zach. We'll leave it there. This is a good one. We're going to change gears. And Adam, I believe you have the last story of the day. Yeah, I do. So we'll close out today with another sports sponsorship from a crypto company ending prematurely and just the latest sign that some of the highest flying companies in crypto got a bit too close to the sun and found themselves poorly positioned for when the good times end. This time, it's Amber Group, a Singapore-based trading firm uh, who terminated a sponsorship deal with the well-known Chelsea FC, which is uh, football for those in Europe and soccer for those of us in the US. In addition to ending the sponsorship, the Sequoia uh, Capital-backed group is also cutting its workforce by nearly in half, currently sitting at about a third of its peak headcount. And there are rumblings on Twitter that things could actually get even worse for the company based on some on-chain sleuthing. Zach, do you think that we'll be seeing any of these big dollar sports sponsorships still standing by the end of this cycle? Or was it just a really bad idea all along and it's taken this long for us to figure it out? <laughs> I mean, soccer teams such as uh, Sporting Portugal should just stick with the sports betting sponsorship. They're not going anywhere anytime <laughs> soon. So definitely sports teams the world over. Uh, are turning to some of these uh, these fields where the money was flowing pretty immensely during the good times. Some of these will withstand the crypto winter. I'm convinced that some will last. Others will go the way of FTX, which famously put its name on the Miami Heat Arena in Miami, Florida. And before you know it, that was all up in smoke. So yeah, we've seen some reports that Inter Milan, which is another soccer club, uh, was not getting payments from Digital Bits, which signed a deal that was reported to be worth $100 million last September, I believe that was announced. So certainly some of these deals that were announced in heady days crumbling under the weight of crypto winter. I think some will persist, obviously. Uh, others, not so much. And I think you're right. Like a lot of these splashy, high-profile spends, you know, they may have not ultimately delivered much return on investment, unless, you know, although a lot of people were doing it. Crypto.com certainly spent a lot of money on various sports sponsorships. To date, all those are still standing. So I think some will last, others not so much. And you're seeing this with Amber, which may have bigger problems on its hands. And I'll toss to Will for some thoughts on that. Yeah, the sports stuff is definitely relevant, but I think the on-chain sleuthing here is also notable. We saw a lot of on-chain sleuthing help inform the decisions on Celsius, Voyager, FTX, and other firms over the last year. And it's continuing right now with Amber Group, according to a nice tweet from Looks on Chain. They said that only a few million dollars in their bank accounts are on, on chain. Of course, Amber Group is denying this, saying that there is business as usual and that you can still process withdrawals. But I think it's just notable to point out that this mix between being a CFI company and a DeFi company Lends yourself to being investigated by on-chain sleuths who can just go look at your addresses, go look at your Ethereum account or your Bitcoin wallets and see if you have the funds to pay out. And this comes after they just laid off about 300 employees as well, right? So people can look in, into your business in a way that has never been possible before and make decisions on if they really want to be involved with you as a group. Of course, this was denied, so we don't really know what's happening at the moment, but definitely follows up on a pattern that we've seen continuing over the entire year where people put a lot of money out for marketing, didn't pan out, and then all their treasury and reserves were drawn out and they went bankrupt or had to restructure. 
Hopefully that's not occurring here. We don't have any information if that is the case, but definitely notable. Zach, I'll give it to you though, as we get close to wrapping up. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know if the contagion is over yet. Obviously, uh, several prominent firms have gone under. It's hard to speculate and really not fair to speculate on which is next. But, you know, there could be further, you know, I guess, boats that are taken out with the tide or whatever that metaphor is when uh, when the good times head back out to sea. But yeah, maybe the sports sponsorship is the least of these worries as these firms seek to retain their solvency and seek to continue providing services to crypto investors worldwide. Adam, you got any last thoughts on this one? You know, I think it's been a really interesting year. <laughs> I think it's been, you know, it's understatement. It's been a, understatement of the it year. It is an right understatement. It, it's been an it's been an intense year, right? We started the year really not knowing where kind of all of this was going. Uh, you know, some warning signs, but we'd seen that before. I think it's another lesson again in the need for humility and the need to, you know, kind of just like play the cards that you're dealt, but appreciate that probably things are going to change. And I also think that, again, you know, like I'm no fan of any of kind of the big players in this space personally, but I think that CZ over at uh, Binance has come out of this uh, looking the best of really anybody else in, in kind of the industry as far as these very well capitalized large exchanges. Uh, and I'm very curious to kind of see what the next uh, round of plays uh, that comes out of that side of the world uh, wind up being. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's but it's been a heck of a year. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's for sure. CZ looking good based on what's known. Who knows? Maybe maybe there's some Who knows, though? deep, dark secrets out there that have yet to come to light. All right. Well, we'll close on that ominous note for this Friday show of The Hash. Thanks for watching Coindesk TV this week. It's been fun. I know I had a good time. We'll see you next week. I'm Zach. That's Will. Adam's here. We will talk to you later. Thanks. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 